0: My money.
1: Money. I get money from you. Money in the bank. Ah. Young money. Money, 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 money. It's a rich man's world. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore!
0: World-renowned financial advisor and best-selling author Barry James Dyke will
1: arm you with the truth. This is the Economic Warrior. Please note, the opinions expressed on this show are of the individuals who speak them, and not necessarily of Portsmouth Community Radio, its members, or Board of Trustees. Greetings from New England, from you (laughs) folks out there. And I had a couple of emails last night. They wanted to uh, listen to the show today. We have a great guest on, Adam Angievsky. What drove you to start OpenTheBooks.com, Adam? I mean, because people out there, go to the website, OpenTheBooks.com. Just do yourself a favor, but... uh, Adam, what, what, what possessed you to start OpenTheBooks.com? Well, I, in
0: 2007, after I had sold my shares in a publishing company that my brother and I had founded, I looked around in public policy and politics. My true passion, Barry, for an idea, kind of a silver bullet that would have a big impact, hold people accountable for tax and spend decisions, and we quite simply settled on transparency. And, you know, as we explored it, We realize the power of it. Most people don't recognize that it's written into the United States Constitution. So the founders recognized the power of transparency, and it's Article 1, Section 9, and it states that a statement and account of the receipts and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. And so we decided not enough was being done on this. We were going to open the books at the federal level, the state level, and the local level across the country, and now it's worthy of a lifetime of legacy
1: yeah and the thing is is that um, but we tell people what you did before this because obviously this is kind of, this is a, this is a passion for you, and this is a mission. so you you, you can't do it without any gasoline. so how, do, how did you get this thing off the ground?
0: Well, nothing rankles me more than when we pay our tax dollars and then they're misspent and And that's because of my entrepreneurial experience. So starting in 1997 through 2007, My brother and I, from scratch, from our apartments, we found that a Yellow Page publishing company uh, back in the day of phone books. So we broke down the big companies, the telephone company's phone book into hometown directories. They were very popular, uh, but it it was a brutal battle. So here's the story. In the first year, we were upside down our entire life savings. In the third year, we sold a million dollars worth of revenue. We should have been partying, but we nearly lost the business because you pay everything in advance. You get paid last, and we nearly ran out of money in year three because we were growing so quickly. In year six, that was the first year my brother and I, we out-earned our employees for the first time. Uh, We were a $5 million business finally in year six, and we were a $20 million business by year 10 and an overnight success but that's why i fight so hard it's so hard to get a company off the ground and and uh when you pay your taxes we simply as taxpayers deserve to have that dollar spent efficiently and without corruption
1: well they should uh but the thing is they should uh make a uh, when you graduate from this life adam uh they should make they should have you uh a bronze uh, statue in town square but uh but, but people are not welcoming you with Wilkin arms. I think we talked about this last night is that uh, some of the research I do is that people don't always like guys like you, do they? Well,
0: we are responsible for federal indictments, local indictments. We're responsible for people and bad actors in government going to jail, uh, paying up to $400,000 in restitution and jail sentences up to eight years and nine years. We're responsible for uh, congressional subpoenas and hearings and government accountability audits and legislation and policy change within federal agencies. So oftentimes, unfortunately, you know the political class should embrace what we expose. But oftentimes, we have to have transparency impact, media impact, and legislative impact to get the point across.
1: Yeah. Now, the thing is, you've been on Fox uh, a bunch of times, uh, which is good, and they're giving some good clips. Uh, But I think really, uh, I think your landmark, and anyone can go online and see this, is your interview. When did you do that with Brian Lamb uh, on C-SPAN? When was that, a couple months ago?
0: So we taped that on August 20th of last year, of 2017, and it aired three weeks later in September, uh, it's an hour-long, 85 questions. Brian Lamb, the founder of C-SPAN, the chairman of C-SPAN, his hour-long program, questions and answers. It plays on Sunday evening uh, at C-SPAN, and it was a great interview. Brian Lamb was very fair. There were no gotcha questions, but he a- asked all the hard questions, and he fully vetted our mission and our vision and our impacts over the course of 60 minutes on that interview.
1: Yeah, it's a great, it's a great interview, and. Uh... And I love C-SPAN because it's unfiltered truth. I mean, which is no commercials, and you uh, did a great. Well, and every,
0: everything was on the table, as you know, Barry. There's no pre-interview for Brian Lamb's show. So your entire body of work, all the way back to when you started, up to the current day, is uh, is fair game, and and it's uncut. So there's no there's no do-overs like baseball.
1: Well, that's kind of like this show, uh, Adam. Okay, this is pure. Uh, this is like long form uh, radio, and uh, uh, you know, right. and, and it's community. It's it's legit, and actually, but we actually have a bigger audience, believe it or not, in the web, uh, um, but not in our own backyard. But um, but let me ask you a question, Adam. When you know, because as you know, this is a lot of resistance. How long have you been plowing? This? When did you start this? In two thousand eleven.
0: So in 2011, we launched in September of 2011, and we launched with Illinois-centric information. So for the first time ever, every single uh, public official, public employee in the entire state, and everybody retired. We launched at every level of Illinois government. We exposed all of it, and right away we found that a school district treasurer' uh, his pay in one year went from 164 thousand dollars to 296 thousand dollars. The constituents in that school district, they knew something wasn't right. He was eventually indicted for stealing up to $2 million over a 20-year period, and he was sentenced to eight years in jail. So we, uh, we got started off on the right foot, um, you know, exposing corruption and um, making sure the law was enforced.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, Adam, you're from Illinois. That's kind of like the super. What do you call it, The Super Bowl of corruption. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah.
0: If if anything happens on public policy and politics in Illinois for the good of the people, Barry, it's entirely by accident.
1: <laughs> you know, because but you know, but Adam, I I kind of the last time I was, uh, uh, believe it or not, I was in uh, Illinois. I went to Schomburg. I was there. With my son, believe it or not, Tony. Remember the other guy Tony Robbins? He invited me to one of his things. That's a long, long story, but incredible. You know, and of but I'm extent. I'm in Chicago though, and and the incredible traffic, uh, Adam. But I never saw so many Maseratis and Ferraris and Porsches and Mercedes. And so I said, but the, but the other hand, the state is is broke. I, I, I well, just, the
0: ins- <laughs> the insiders are getting rich. They have bright futures. And the rest of the population, they have bleak futures, but they get stuck with the bill.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that and that's that's it was is is an incredible contrast. And it might you know, I I be honest with you, other than a place like Los Angeles, I've never seen so many exotic cars other than in Chicago. And uh, um, I was just, but there is that these contrasts. Now, was there a defining? Moment, Adam, when you said you know, Jew is God, whatever, and I know you have a strong faith. Uh, when you say, "Hey, you know, this is really worth it," what I'm doing because you're obviously not getting rich on this. Is there is there was there a moment we said, "Hey, I'm on the right path."
0: So I I you know we hit those those markers, um, you know, a couple of different times a year. So I think when we investigated the Ivy League colleges in 2016 and published most of the findings in 2017 that was actually one of those moments because that was a that was a who knew moment who knew that the eight colleges of the Ivy League over the course of a 6-year period were dialed in to taxpayer wallets for up to 42 billion dollars worth of benefits and it was you know direct payments on contracts and grants it was special tax treatment like on their endowment and other accounts and it was also other taxpayer subsidies at the federal level the state level and the local level so who knew and that you know we published the findings we broke initial findings preliminary findings at the wall street journal in the fall of twenty sixteen fox had the exclusive they ran it six times about ten million people saw that uh, at fox news got a ton of press all across the country it led to federal legislation uh, where in the uh, tax reform bill that finally passed in December of 2017, just over the holidays, uh, tucked in that bill for the first time ever is a small 1.4% tax on future endowment gains of the, of the Ivy League and other wealthy schools. So, um, so the gaming of the system, the taxpayer subsidy uh, of these folks, you know the process is being started to rein a little bit of that in slowly.
1: Yeah, but I sent this to you this morning. I don't know if you got it, Adam, though. And I was actually just released by the Chronicle. Uh, I've not the. Um, it's actually the the Council for Aid Education. Um, I don't know. if and Please feel free to use that research. It's actually research I've been using for for a new book I've been working on, which we discussed. But. But but these these very very wealthy schools, Adam, they're getting even more money, and I know from from not just from the taxpayer, but from the the corporate donors. I mean, um, the, the roughly forty three point six billion went into these schools in uh, two thousand seventeen. Were you aware of that?
0: That was on uh, on the. I, I briefly scrolled through the, the uh, statistics on your email, Barry. Yeah, and those those were actually on the on the donations. So straight up donations to a handful of the wealthier schools amounted to billions of dollars, and that continues a trend. the uh, the We found that as of two thousand and fourteen, uh, and the statistics only, you know, they, they've only racked up more donations. Obviously. Uh, from 2014 forward but the eight schools of the Ivy League had an endowment worth 120 billion dollars. So our point is look they have the relationships they know the wealthy people they're putting forth a compelling argument for private sector donations as they should yeah but they should lighten the load on hardworking taxpayers because what is the public purpose? what is the public purpose? For a middle and working class taxpayer to continue to subsidize the wealthy Ivy League schools.
1: Yeah, and this is you know, and, and this is what I love about your research is showing that you know it, the facts are the facts, and this is you know not Adam or Barry, but this is the Council for Aid for Education, and uh, they got forty three billion um, uh, last year. I mean, <laughs> you know, well, we we uh,
0: we took a look at the eight schools of the Ivy League. We compared them against the receipt of federal payments into state governments and if the ivy league was a state government they would outrank 16 states in <laughs> receipt of federal money
1: yeah run that one by me again so if if the
0: ivy leagues collectively those eight schools if they were a state government they would have received more federal dollars on contracts and grant making than 16 state governments received for their operations
1: A stunning amount of money. It's, you know, it's just,
0: uh,
1: I just find it incomprehensible. And um, uh, (laughs) that's. We
0: found that uh, their grant making and contract receipt from the federal government at $25 billion exceeded the amount of money they collected on undergraduate student tuition. At twenty-two billion dollars, so Barry. In effect, they are, the Ivy Leagues are more government contractor now than they are educator, and we make the point they're off mission.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> and there's a um, there's a great researcher um, I uh, talked to him before. A guy you ever heard of a guy by the name of Victor Fleischer? I have not. No, he's an attorney um, uh, and, uh, and and and. Um, uh, he's actually an attorney, but he teaches law at uh, University of San Diego, San Diego State, one of those um, uh, schools out west. Uh, but it was what he came up with some unbelievable statistics, and he looked at uh, you know who was the greatest recipient of uh, of the, uh, uh, we- the wealth effector from the endowments from the Ivy League. Adam, you know, are you going to believe this? Just take a guess. We discussed it briefly last night, but I'll. I'll uh, you want to guess who makes the most money on the on the, the, hedge, the
0: hedge fund managers?
1: Well, yeah, the hedge fund and the private equity managers actually made more money in fees than they than they gave out to the students and uh, and uh, subsidies and uh, so a lot of this is stuff. Incredible. Yeah, so a lot of this stuff and and the thing is is that and, and I know he's spot on because if you if you read and no one wants to read in this country anymore but if you a lot of this stuff adam is posted online i mean if you go if you read uh, the harvard endo- uh, endowment or the harvard annual report or the yale one which are the two biggest ones um they disclose how much they give out in and uh and uh, right. uh and so a lot of it is in uh, uh, their budgets is over most of it 60% of the budgets that uh, goes out to salary and compensation but then I think only about 3% goes out in, um into subsidies and scholarships and so forth. Um so it, it's it's you know but thank you because I you see I've been looking at this Adam for a long long time and you're the first guy who came up with the empirical information on this so so god bless you. Um Well
0: thank you Barry. It's praise from on high. Yeah, it I is. Enjoy your show and all the experts <laughs> that appear on it.
1: Well thank you. Thank you and uh, you're one of our favorites so but your really aha moment was when you um when you dug up the stuff in the ivy league because i was i was looking for that though data but
0: um well and we have aha moments frequently so the year before that it was when we found a 20 million dollar high-end luxury art portfolio purchased by veterans affairs barry and i think i've i've talked on your program about those discoveries we got that corrected through the va channels uh and and so, but but frequently, frequently, even though we're from Illinois, we're very cynical. Still, <laughs> every once in a while, a couple of times a year, we are surprised on the downside, even by what we find, investigate, and expose, and then work to correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, my sidekick, Will Pierce, has a question for you. Yeah, can you describe that case of the uh, of the uh, what's it paintings art the, of the artwork that the Veterans Affairs brought and so is we. It-
0: we found that during a 10 year period and this everybody listening to the program will remember what will hopefully be the worst government scandal any of us will ever witness in our lifetime you know the violation of the sacred social bond over at veterans affairs yeah. where veterans were fa- were placed on secret waiting lists while the bonus happy bureaucrats collected their bonuses because the official books showed no wait times and up to 1,000 veterans died in an eight-year period, according to U.S. Senator Tom Coburn at the time. Uh, the VA claimed lack of budget. They said they couldn't hire enough doctors because they didn't have the money. But during this time, we found, coated as furniture, they purchased $20 million of high-end art. So it was, it was 27-foot Christmas trees priced for $21,000. It was sculptures priced like five-bedroom homes. We actually, we actually found a pair of sculptures for 700 grand what? purchased by a uh, California VA center that serves blind veterans. What? And blind <laughs> veterans can't see a fancy sculpture and every veteran <laughs> deserves to see a doctor. Well now uh,
1: when you let's say you build an, you build a new building, right? Um, and you some laws require you to spend like 1% on artwork or something like that. And it's often sculpture. Could, could that be uh, the reason why they bought it? or, or is it s- So this was
0: one of those crazy interagency rules, and you're exactly right. They, uh, uh, they used a percentage of the total bill to spend it on art. So we, we had a simple solution for this. Low cost uh, would have bene- benefited veterans, and the simple solution is one sentence. Veterans art should be displayed in veterans' medical centers period. Now, that's the portion of the reform that the VA Secretary Robert McDonald at the time, he did not institute that reform. But what they did is they did stop the practice of purchasing fancy art, uh, put new rules in uh, on a go-forward basis.
1: Unbelievable. Um, and then, so uh, so moving on, so one of the things, Adam, now, because we were looking at this before the show and I was showing it to the guys here and uh, we're in the city of Portsmouth, New Hampshire and uh, and anyone, we highly recommend going to openthebooks.com and uh, and checking this out. It came with mapping the swamp. How did you put that thing together? And uh, I mean, uh, you must have gotten a lot of flack on that one.
0: So it was a big investment by our team. What we did is we literally mapped the administrative state. The 2 million disclosed federal bureaucrats These are the civil service employees at the federal level and in the agencies, and we added in the post office, and we put it on an interactive map where we mapped all of these bureaucrats and employees by their employer zip code. So there's 30,000 pins on the map. Each pin represents your zip code. You can search your zip code or any zip code across the country. You can see your little piece of the swamp as it exists anywhere, you can give it oversight where you understand the relationships, you understand how things work, and after you do that, call your member of Congress and ask them what have they done to rein in the pork barrel spending and the waste and the bloat in the federal payroll. There has to be a transparency impact here.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, I I was going over with my assistant this morning, and, and, and a client was in my office earlier this morning, and they, you know, it's it's really it's it's overwhelming. Um, now, how do they they, re, they 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 can redact some of the names that? Because U.S. Treasury does that generally mean the IRS, Adam, or uh, can they redact? They, they they'll give the pay grade and so forth, but can they redact um, the names?
0: So our our mapping the swamp report, there was about there was a couple hundred thousand names redacted. For instance, one of the agencies that redacted out every single one of their names. Was the Internal Revenue Service? Yeah. So this this is actually an interesting story. The IRS they have a uh, what's known as a pseudonym name program, uh, a fake name program that you can work for the IRS if you feel threatened. Uh, and about one percent of their workforce opts into that program. They work underneath a fake name. Well, the higher ups at the IRS use that as an excuse to redact out the names of the other ninety nine percent. So there's seventy seven thousand. Uh, public employees over at the irs and every single one of the names is blacked out
1: yeah because you know okay so this is the whole thing and you know uh being a business person you know unfortunately you unfortunately end up seeing t- with clashes with the irs okay i know you and your brother ever did but a y- small business they pick on you i i, I hopefully you i don't know if you ever had that happen with you adam at all <laughs>
0: We didn't. We were, you know, we were lucky. We we never we never had clashes with the IRS. But I can tell you, at American Transparency, um, we're prepared for it. Um, we, uh, in conjunction with our honorary chair, Dr. Tom Coburn, in June of 2016, on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal, in a piece entitled "Why Does the IRS Need Guns?", we audited the IRS Gun Locker and found it wanting. From the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. So we think at a certain point, you know, we keep books balanced to the penny, just in case we get the call from Washington D.C. from the IRS.
1: Yeah, which you know, because if you if any people listening, our, our local audience is zero three eight zero one. I looked up. He, uh, yeah, exactly. yeah, we, and and Will uh, looked at it. it. It's just Adam. It's just like it's just like wow. It's like who's the biggest employer in the city of Portsmouth? I and mean, no one ever realized, but the the pay grades at them are just incredible. So, like the I think the highest guys made like 170 grand a year, um, but that's only part of the puzzle because you got to un- understand is that um, these folks also get pensions. They get uh, well. You, what's yeah, the, what's the typical benefit package for a federal employee? And, and do you include, so everyone's do you everyone's include,
0: all excited that the average pay we found that the average pay in seventy eight large agencies now exceeds hundred thousand dollars so it's like the bureaucrats have a new minimum wage and everyone's all excited about that but you're exactly right barry that's only a small part of the overall compensation package we found a bonus program and last year that line item cost the american taxpayer one point five billion dollars We found large agencies and small agencies gaming the system for personal gain on those bonuses. Then we found a benefits package. You know, if you hit your three-year anniversary as a federal bureaucrat, you stand in line to get 43 days of paid time off. It's incredible. It's 10 holidays, 13 sick days, and 20 vacation days. It's almost like a a four-day week, a three-day weekend every week of the year for a federal bureaucrat after just three years.
1: After three years?
0: It drives people crazy. I, was, I gave a speech to a grassroots organization out in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago in Myrtle Beach. Yeah. I asked anybody in the room, there was about 400 people, to raise their hand. Who, who has a benefit package with 43 days of paid time off? And not one single hand went up. So I guess we didn't have any federal bureaucrats in the room.
1: Yeah, I, it's only three years. So, but on top of that, Adam, you know, and again, this is not me uh, making these numbers up. But, but the typical fund the defined benefit plan on top of it. On which- top
0: of it, right? So that's a transparency problem. You know, when it when a uh, federal bureaucrat or member of Congress, U.S. senator, when they go retired, it is private information as to what they receive, and we obviously. As transparency advocates, we have a huge problem with this. Look, in the union stronghold states of Illinois, New York, California, yep. Oregon, we get the pensions. If yep. a public employee goes retired, we know what their retirement annuity is on a monthly basis. We know how much money they put into it, how much they pull out, what their cost basis is, how fast they'll break even. In Illinois, if you're a retired teacher, you break even on the amount of money you put into the system after, after less than two years, and the rest of it has to be generated by the system or funded by taxpayers. At the federal level, we don't have any of that information. We don't know who gets what. We don't know who the double dippers are, the triple dippers. We don't know what Lois Lerner's pension is, what Julia Shields' pension is. We, don't, uh, we would certainly like to know um, what the members of Congress are getting.
1: It it's it's just, it just it just boggles my mind, um, you know. And uh, you know, and now the thing is, is that. But what about now? You've pulled. You've extracted just about all the state data on, like, in California and so forth. Am I correct on the pension information? i And that, <laughs> I'll be honest. I, I flipped on that because I I think the 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 top funding for a, um, a pension in the private sector. Uh, um, Adam, I, I don't know anyone who gets this, but uh, I think they, the funding level now for the maximum pension in a for a, uh, for a public or a private corporation under IRS regs is uh, I think like two hundred fifty-two thousand, something like that. Uh, but but it was you who revealed in the state pensions that there's people like in California getting four, three, four hundred thousand a year. Am I correct? So you you are correct,
0: and in Illinois we have. A retired school superintendent. He's out on a $312,000 pension. It's the largest pension in the Illinois Teachers Retirement System. And last fall, he was just indicted uh, by the federal, by federal law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> and so that pension um, could be clawed back if he is convicted uh, of of public crimes. So so some of these things um, can be undone. But the proof, is, you know, it's it's a lot of evidence and it's a lot of proof necessary. Uh, it takes an indictment and a conviction, and then a decision by the pension board to yank it.
1: Now, what did this guy do? That it three hundred twelve grand? uh, uh. Well, he was a
0: superintendent. It was probably you know maybe the twentieth largest school district in uh, in the state. Uh, he uh, one of one of his expenditures that was exposed by a watchdog organization is like. We all think when we're taxed for education that that our tax dollar goes to educate kids. Well, not in his school district. A piece of the education tax dollar literally went to build a doggy daycare facility. Then he grand <laughs> he grandfathered his own dog in for lifetime benefits.
1: Unbelievable! It, you know. So when did this happen? I th- I haven't heard of this one, but. Uh... Um, so you you have an Illinois, but you've seen the numbers in California. It's just like it's, it's mind-numbing um, um, that they're just so high. Um, and- well, we've
0: done oversight on those numbers in California at Forbes, and, and this uh, spring and this summer we'll come back to it and update those numbers again. But uh, I think the bottom line is it's going to come as no – No newsflash to many people listening to your program because you've covered this pretty well. Uh, These systems are just quite frankly unsustainable. It's a Ponzi scheme and it will collapse.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's almost actuarial fraud because um, you know the thing is is that um, uh, I don't know if you've ever you've seen some of my research, whatever. But uh, uh, I've sent you some of my books, but Adam, they're all using a what is a uh, called you know interest rate assumption or, or discount rate. Which is assumed rate of return on on their investments, and I don't know what what Illinois rate is, but I think the average rate right now is seven point six percent, which is way over their skis. And, um, and you know the, the most buoyant pension funds over in the world, not the U.S. Okay, but like in say the Netherlands, uh, Adam they they use an assumed rate of around three and a half percent, four percent, or corporate plans. In other words, other words, if I'm funding my Pension plan for, say, General Motors or um, IBM or whatever the case may be, uh, they they're gonna use four, or five percent. And the thing is that um, all these uh, states uh, 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 have a very high rates of return, so it's it is a kind of a it is a Ponzi scheme.
0: Right. Yeah, three and a half percent um, that bankrupts a lot of pension plans in Illinois, New York, Oregon, and across the country. That's for sure. Um, well, we you know at the federal level we have legislation. Uh, right now that sits at U.S. House Committee on Government uh, Reform and Oversight. It's a great uh, piece of legislation by Florida Congressman Ron DeSantis that for the first time ever would open up the federal annuity payout to sunlight. Um, it's a bill that needs to, to get moving. There's about 14 sponsors right now. Uh, FreedomWorks with 5 million uh, members of FreedomWorks is behind that piece of legislation. It's good legislation and it needs to move. We need to know who's getting how much after they worked for the federal government for how long for which agency? If they've got another government job, we need to see it all.
1: Yeah. So, what can people do, Adam? To you know, because you're obviously well aware of it. And if, if people go if listening to the local area 03801 and click on Portsmouth, they're, they're going to be they're going to be floored uh, because I know um, being well, okay, a- I think you got to look for I, I tried that and I just got the Commerce Department, which is the docs for where they land the boats i think but um you have to look for peas i think yeah but but the, but it shows the government yeah. works my my point is adamant i never knew we had this many high-paid uh, federal employees in our own backyard and um but if you just if i just you know started calculating the cost of this stuff to find a d- defined benefit pension plan it's astronomical i mean this is we're, we're just a tiny little seacoast town it's beautiful i mean it's you love it when you when you visit us, but it's beautiful out here. But it's just it's an incredible expense, and so well, what can people do? Know, we you know?
0: we need to remember it's our money, and we deserve to see where it's spent. So whether it's you know the pensions, whether it's the performance bonuses, there's one point one billion dollars, Barry, of performance bonuses that's hidden because of it's shielded from public view. We're told. We were told this by the Office of Personnel Management because of the negotiations with the federal unions. So here, here's my question. How does a union negotiation forestall my right to know underneath the Freedom of Information Act, which says that compensation should have sunlight, and, and as we talked about in, at the start of this interview, it's Article One, Section 9 of the Constitution, that all this must be reported. And shall be published from time to time. So I, I don't know how a federal union gets in the way of the Constitution and our right to know under federal transparency law. But that's that's where we're at right now, and these are the fights that need to be waged, and they need to be won.
1: Um, yeah, because you know, one of the things that kind of spooks me is that you know, and believe it or not, I'm not anti-union. Actually, there's a lot of good things about unions. But uh, how how does government employee? Be, Collective bargaining. I mean, it's kind of an oxymoron. I thought if you're, you know, part of a union with the government, you couldn't negotiate. I don't know. Am I wrong, or it's, it's probably some lawyer question?
0: Well, I, I think the federal unions even have a certain amount of veto power. They weigh in with members of Congress on the executive appointment of the president to head up the human resource division of the federal government, which is the Office of Personnel Management. So you have the unions either choosing to endorse or fight the president's executive appointees nominated to help regulate the bureaucratic state, the administrative state. So they're very powerful, and they have put in place, you know, high salaries. On top of that, they get these, these this bonus bucket, which is lucrative. You know, we've got bonuses last year up to $141,000. They've got these benefit programs, as we talked about, the 43 days of paid time off just after three years, then the pensions, and many, many other benefits that are written into these contracts that, that, uh, uh, that are very lengthy. Uh, one of the reasons that you're seeing Department of Commerce employees in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, is because after a certain period, for instance, at the Department of Commerce, if they work in patent and trademark, for instance, Yep which is under the Department of Commerce, they can work from home. They can work for the Patent Office in Washington, D.C., from Portsmouth, from home.
1: Adam, I, I freaked. I I, I, I I freaked. I was just clicking on local towns where I am. There's a little town called Exeter, New Hampshire, which is another It's another beautiful town. But I clicked on it, and I couldn't believe it. Uh, there's a lawyer, a lawyer from the SEC, Adam, making $225,000 a year. I, I never knew SEC had an office up here, you know. so See, and that's
0: the, these are these are people probably that have quote tested into home working programs. They don't have to go into the office anymore; they can work from home. So why wouldn't you work from Portsmouth, a beautiful seaside it's beautiful. community? You would, of course, and that's what we're seeing in the data.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, it's just amazing. You know, because it, it is. It's a beautiful area, and we're blessed to live here. And um, uh, but you know, and, and the funny thing is, Adam, I'm, as a, I'm not anti-union, and I'm, I'm you know I'm not against you know good pensions. Okay, I'm a numbers guy, and it, we got to pay for all this stuff, and that's what that's what drives me nuts is that all this is being really withheld from the public.
0: So you know, obviously, you know, we discussed my background as an entrepreneur in private in private enterprise. Um, Private enter, We would never confer, nor could we ever afford, forty-three days of paid time off. Uh, you know, I run obviously. OpenTheBooks.com dot com is a public charity underneath American Transparency, yep. and you know we've promised our employees Barry dental insurance by the year twenty twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, these type of benefits don't exist in the private sector because they're too expensive. You cannot you cannot run an enterprise, um, you know, as a startup with these kinds of things.
1: Yeah, and this is, you know, this is part of the malaise of the empire. You know, again, I'm not against I, – I mean, we'd all like to have these benefits. I, I don't know about you, but i like to have them, Adam. You know, first dollar health care and DB pension plan. How do you do? 43 days off? But I don't know. It's, we just keep got to keep fighting the good fight. Well, and
0: weigh in with your member of Congress. Everybody listening to the program should call your member of Congress and ask them, seriously, you know what are you doing to rein in the blow to the administrative state? We need civil service reform. I think the President should execute on that. Right now, ahead of infrastructure, You know we don't need pork barrel infrastructure. Uh, monuments built um, to the president all over the country. We need civil service reform. The president, when he ran, he promised to drain the swamp. He should get started on his campaign promise.
1: Yeah, uh, amen, amen. So let's let's really start draining the swamp. And uh, that's another conversation offline, Adam. But in uh, uh, any event, uh, we've come to the end of our show, Adam. Uh, you listen listening to WSCA in Forrest, New Hampshire, and we've had our special guest on, Adam Anjiefsky from OpenTheBooks.com. And my name is Barry James Dyke, and uh, and, and uh, Adam, it's been a pleasure. Let's keep in touch and keep fighting the good fight. You're doing great work. Thank you, Go- and God bless you.
0: God bless you, Barry. Thanks for having me on.
1: Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This has been The Economic Warrior with your host, Barry James Dyke, broadcast live at WSCA Portsmouth Community
0: Radio, engineered by Phil Kleiger. If you have any questions about today's show or need an ally in conquering the battleground of finance, contact the warrior himself at BarryJamesDyke.com.
1: Who are the warriors?